Thanks so much for listening to No Lions Here with me, Big Panda. Hey guys, welcome back to No Lions Here. My name is Big Panda and I'm a recovering sex addict. With me tonight on the podcast, a very special guest. Um, I met Eric through a workshop the Beginning Institute did on the anatomy of a relationship. Um, so please, I'm, I'm very, very grateful to welcome Eric. Eric is a 360 coach, uh, meaning he wants to work with the whole person. Um, so Eric, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm stoked to be here. I I kind of view myself for the co- kind of coaching that I do is like, I'm like a 360 coach. I don't believe in balance. Okay. Um, because we, at different stages of life, we have, you know, particular areas that we tend to focus on. And, you know, similarly, when we were talking in the workshop about capacity, each person only has like a certain capacity and when you're focusing your time and attention on you know like i'll just use myself as an example like if i'm mainly last you know a couple years ago i I was focusing a lot of my attention on music and um recording an album And so that was where a lot of my attention, intention, and energy was going. And so naturally, the other areas of my life, I could not use as much of my energy. Yeah. That is just like a fact of life. That's reality. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we like to think that we can just balance everything and do everything at 100% and it's a lie. Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That ultimately leads people to feeling defeated. Mhm. Like they aren't enough. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I know that I can definitely get in those places absolutely 100%. Yeah. Mhm. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, and I didn't share much about this because in the workshop, because we were mainly focusing on, um, you know, intimacy, Mm -hmm. relational intimacy with self and others. Um, But man, like I've just, I've been on a a journey myself. Um, You know, my, I, so I used to be a pastor. Oh, wow. So yeah, so I was a pastor for 11 years and I actually started a church with a friend of mine and I was the the worship pastor, um one of the church planters um and I did a lot of one-on-one um spiritual development and discipleship with people um as well as leading small groups. And I did that for 11 years. And then about five months after I moved to Nashville, I had a huge spiritual shift 
um, where I, I thought I was an atheist <laughs> for a while. And I just kind of like lived in the nihilistic void, as I call it, for about six months. And I was like, this does not work for me. Mm. Um, and so then, you know, I just started exploring uh, different, a lot of like Buddhism and more so like um, mystic forms of Christianity. And I tell people a lot of times, I feel like I re-entered Christianity through a side door. Mm. <laughs> I could get into that, but, um, you know, and then basically about six months after I, you know, was on this very spiritual path and a psychological path, just examining my own patterns, relational patterns, patterns within myself. Um, yeah, found out that my wife at the time um, was having an emotional affair mm. with a friend of mine. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was a very messy mm. divorce. Um, and that kind of revealed more to me about myself and how I was operating uh, relationally. Uh, just a lot of codependency and dude, I, I like lost myself. I tell mm -hmm. people I lost my shape is the best way to explain it. Um, and went through that and then you know, so I like lost my career, lost my marriage, um, and then, you know, started doing all of this work. And then I got into coaching because I was like, I was originally going to go back to school to be, um, to get my master's in counseling psychology. Mm. But that was like March of 2020. And, and so it's like everything was getting locked down. And that's when my divorce started happening wow. on March 26th. And so I was like, man, I need to put a hold on this. But I looked into coaching and I'm very much a person like I'm very spiritual and love mystery. But I'm I also have a side to me that is um, very pragmatic. And so I chose a coaching program that was that only used evidence-based frameworks because mm. that was really important to me to do coaching in an ethical way um, where there can be results. Yeah. Of course, results are dependent on the, um, you know, participation sure. of the client. But, um, you know, got into that. And then basically last year I um, – got stabbed by a schizophrenic person at my work. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh. And so I, I've been, I've worked, I've been working through a lot over the past three years. Yeah. Wow. What a journey, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. You know, and, and in the midst of that, it's like, you know, going through the coaching program is really helpful. I was in a creative mastermind group that was really helpful. I was also in a men's group where we explored different modalities, which was absolutely transformational um, because 
for the most part, I've typically uh, connected with women a lot easier. Mm. Uh, even just from, uh, you know, in a platonic way. Like most of my friends now that I'm close to are women. Um, and I was like, man, I'm curious about that, you know? Um, and I would like to be in a group with other men because that's that's scary to me. Mm-hmm. And I partially knew why. Um but it was, yeah, it was absolutely transformational to honestly just be um, witnessed by another man mm. who just during kind of like a breakdown just kind of co-regulated with me and just literally looked me in the eyes as I'm like sobbing, just looking at me and just breathing with me mm. and like, holding me in a, a very masculine but caring way that like I was like I did not even know this was possible yeah no I I can totally relate to that like just that whole I always felt like I got along better with women and older men because my dad my dad was in my life but he wasn't mentally present in my life mm-hmm. and so like older males like terrified me like oh yeah I didn't know how to introduce myself or even like try to find any kind of common ground they essentially had to come to me and strike up some sort of conversation and then I, I could kind of fumble my way through it um and yeah man getting into you know a a space where you know I sit and talk about my feelings with men, other men, has yeah. like really transformed my view on other guys, and that wow, I can get some of my needs met through yeah through like my relationships with my male friends, totally, and that I'm more comfortable now in that space. Um, so I could I can just I can totally relate to that, man. Uh, yeah, that's beautiful. Wow. Wow, yeah. I you know, I, I would have never have guessed, Eric, I would have never guessed any of this about you. Um now, obviously, you know, in, in the workshop, you know, you did you didn't go into detail. You were very yeah. um, you know, hey, this is for you guys, this is what we're talking about, you know, we've got a time frame here. Um yeah. so first off, man, thanks for sharing all that with me. Like yeah, thank absolutely. you. Um I can I can I can relate to a lot of that, man. Um, especially that whole like, I mean, I grew up in a very religious household, like very religious, yeah. like rules, rules, rules. You're gonna go to hell if you sin. We're not gonna talk about what you know. Sin is sin, and that's basically how it was explained to me. So then, getting into recovery, you know, and higher power and God is everywhere. Now it's up to me to decide, you know, what that is to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I've gotten back to me, God is, is God. Um, yeah. and so while I don't consider myself religious, I consider myself spiritual and really yeah. having to break down everything that I learned in the church growing up as far as like what, who God is and that God loves me no matter what. 
And I think it was earlier on in recovery, I heard something that one of my counselors told me that like, we, our view of God is how we viewed our parents. Mm. And my parents were very, you didn't do a good enough job. You didn't do a good enough job. You don't get this and this and this. If you don't follow the rules, you are in trouble. So that was my view of God. And I mean, it took me probably a year and a half to really just really break that down and just realize that like, no, like my relationship with God is like my relationship with God. It's between me and him. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, man, there is a lot to undo um, coming out of that, Um, especially with the kind of mindset that, that you had towards God. And, and I think that it was, you know, for a lot of people, it's that kind of mindset is there for a very good reason. Sure. Um, and so much of it is tied into shame, mm-hmm. um, especially in dealing with um, sexual issues. You know? Yeah. You're, you're a person. You have a body. Mm-hmm. You have, um, you know, biological urges just from a, you know, very straight up, yeah, yeah. you know, just being straight up. It's like, those are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they aren't bad. No. Um, you don't need to feel shame because you have those things. Now, are there um, ways that you can go about um, engaging that part of yourself that are healthy and conducive to connection yes are there ways to go about those biological urges that are damaging um, and that sever connection even connection with self yes there Mm -hmm. are um but you know it it's not a bad thing in and of itself and even just outside of the sexual stuff there's just a lot of shame that's tied up in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, of just like, you you didn't do good enough. You are bad. Mm-hmm. You're evil. Um, you know, the heart above all things is wicked. Mm. Um, those kinds of scriptures. And it's like, it takes a lot of, there are kind of three words that I keep in mind for myself or for clients that's like a process of like um, uncover, unlearn, and then unfurl. So it's like uncovering what is actually there in the soil of your soul. Mm. (laughs) Um, You know, what issues are there? What's driving your behavior? What's driving your thought patterns, your emotions? Um, what is literally in your body that is driving your way of being then unlearn. It's like, okay, so I know what's there. How do I, you know, offload these programs? Mm -hmm. Yep. And then, you know, the unfurl piece is, well, how, how do I, now that I know what's there, and I've unlearned these programs, what is the true, essential, authentic nature 
of who I am, of who I'm designed to be, and how can I let that authentic version of me bloom in a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and it's, you know, just like recovery stuff, um, you know, I, I don't live in the recovery world, but I'm familiar, you know, like, but similarly, like, it's not a linear process. No. Sometimes, sometimes you, you know, you get to the, you know, the unfurl part where you're like, ah, oh, there's this authentic piece of me that is blossoming now. And then as you're, you're living your life, you stumble into this other part that you didn't know was there. And you're like, okay. You know, just having kindness and compassion with yourself of like, okay, we got some digging to do. That doesn't negate this other part of me mm-hmm. that is a, a true essential part of me that is blossoming. There's also this other part mm-hmm. that I need, you know, that needs some attention. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You definitely not linear. Um, and there's, I get so, I kind of get wrapped up in like this, I got to get this all done now. <laughs> Instead yeah. of like, hey, man, like, and this is something that I've really been like trying to take in. I, I forget where I heard it, but it was basically like, you know, I'm realizing like with do with doing this work on myself and realizing, trying to figure out who I actually am authentically and who is, where do I start and where do I stop? Um, and, you know, part of me is like, let's go. Like, let's let's uncover all this stuff right now. Right now. And and then if I don't get it done right now, well, I'm just, wow, I'm not good. You know, I'm not good enough yeah. to figure all this out. So what I've really been working on lately is like, there's a lot. Alex, yeah. there, there's a lot going on. This is going to take a while. Yeah. And that is okay. Like, this is a process. This is a journey. Um, and I heard someone say one time, you like, the dream is the process. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I think so many people are so quick to want to get to the finish line. But like what you don't realize is the finish line is when we're we're dead. Yeah. That's the finish line. Yeah. And so like I'm not in any kind of rush to get to that finish no. line. Like no. I don't I don't want to get to that. <laughs> I'm not ready for that finish line yet. Like what a so, you know, the dream is the process, like, so I need to, like, one, make sure I'm stopping and smelling the roses and being yeah. grateful and thankful for what I am uncovering. And, like, oh, wow, okay, that's another piece of the puzzle. Let's put that there, and then let's see what else comes up along the journey. Oops. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's – Man, it's, I, I resonate so much with – so much of what you have said – just now, and I've listened to several episodes because I was like, oh, man, I'm curious about this. I want to know what Big Panda's up to. <laughs> I want to know what he's into. Uh, and, man, uh, it's great. But I, I resonate with a lot of what um, you you speak about, and I just I so appreciate your vulnerability and what you're doing is sharing your process. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is liberating for so many people to hear because um, I call anybody that does the kind of work that 
that you're doing, like a space maker. Mm. Because essentially by sharing your process and sharing like, hey, this is like, this is messy work. Mm -hmm. It allows people like, oh, okay. So I don't have to have it all together either. Okay. <laughs> so there's space for me to to learn. Mhm. Mm oh, and that's such a beautiful thing. It it really is. And you know, it's that's definitely like, you know, and it's a day-to-day -day struggle too, right? Like some days I'm like, "All right, like I got this together." Like, "All right, we're we're good to go." And then, you know, the next day it's Oh no, what am I doing? You know, oh, I don't have this yeah. all figured out. Like, oh my gosh. And, you know, just day to day. And, you know, I think that when we first met, it was, you know, I think I, I think I talked about, it. I think I had just met with my therapist or something. And she mm -hmm. was like, you need to embrace the mess. And you were like, yeah. hey, that's yeah. my mantra for 2023 is it embrace really the is. mess. Yeah. And be messy. Be messy, man. Like it's okay. Like messy. Like if I was if if we were all perfect, like that would be boring, right? Like that would be super boring. We would be robots. And like I'm have to constantly remind myself that like I am not a robot. I am a human being. Yeah. I can do I'm doing the best that I can. Yes. And even then it's still messy. But you know what? It's not nearly as messy as my life was two years ago. Two Boom. years ago, I was high trying to get other fixes, you know? Like, yeah. I was cheating, I was lying, I was manipulating, you know, doing whatever I could to not feel what was really going on with me. That's it, man. And to n I, did not, I did not like who I was. I would venture to say that I hated myself. Yeah. And there was so much shame, so much guilt, and that now, even with the mess, even if I do have a slip, like, it's still not nearly as bad as what it was. Yeah. You know, the whole progress, not perfection, you know, is something totally. that we talk about in the, in the program a lot. And it's like, man, if only I could just, you know, buy into that every day. Yeah. Then, man, like, life, life is, like, looks a whole lot different. Yes. When you can buy into that. Yes. And dude, I mean, I'm I am in a process right now, even with my coaching stuff, because you know, it it just didn't work out. It just wasn't a good fit. And um like I was super stoked. And I actually had some grief, even though I, I quit. Um, you know, I had some grief over that and I think so much of it. Uh, I think in, any time you're in a helping, any kind of helping profession or capacity, whether it's like ministry or a therapist or coach or, you know, a mentor or whatever, I am learning that, you know, when I was a pastor, of course, there is this ideal of what you should look like and, and how you should be and all this stuff. And it can be a heavy burden. And I've I noticed that when I got hired on, not as a freelance coach, but when I got hired on at a coaching business, all of that stuff came back, that same mentality. It's like, oh, well, I need to look like this and I need to, 
talk like this and, um, you know, have all of my shit together. And that's just bullshit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and now I'm trying to figure out, it's like, man, what do I, do I even want to still be called a holistic relationship coach? Do I, because I just, we're all, we're whole human beings. Mm -hmm. And yes, relationship plays a huge part. Um, and, and we have relationship to everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I talked about that in the workshop and I still very much hold that as a core belief of, you know, I have a relationship to my work. I have a relationship to my son. I have a relationship to creativity. I have a relationship to uh, money, like all of these things. And, and we show up differently in each of those relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and I just care about us being whole human beings that I'm like, how do I pick one thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do I pick one thing? That's why I'm like, man, maybe I'm just like a 360, like 360 coach, man. Like I just, I want us for whoever I work with, I want us to be able to look at anything yeah. because ultimately it is about intimacy. Mm -hmm. Like, can we be intimate with every part of who we are? Mm. And that's, that's not easy work to do. Dude, it's uncomfortable. Oh, it makes you jump out of your skin sometimes. Oh, one hundred percent. Like, there's still like, it, even with being like somewhat, you know, this where I'm at today, I know the most about myself, you know, yeah. that I've ever known in my entire life. Right? You know, I'm I'm fairly content with where I'm at in life, but still, there's some nights when I'm in bed and I'm like. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be who I am. I don't want to be yeah. here. I don't, you know, it's, it's so tough. Yeah. It's so tough. Yeah. And so it's, you know, one, it's really cool to come across people, you know, like the majority of people that I interact with and deal with are in recovery. And so, you know, there's all this, there's this common like, Hey, we're, we're, we're trying to get better because we don't want to slip back into old behaviors, right. old destructive behaviors. But it's really cool for me to come across somebody like you, Eric, who, you know, is not in recovery, but going through your own journey and wanting to sit in that uncomfortableness because you know that it's for the better of you. Like, because yeah. you don't, like, me, I, I'm i like, okay, I don't want to use cocaine ever again. Um, yeah. I don't want to act out. I don't want to lie. I don't want to cheat. Like, so, you know, I've got like, okay, yeah, if... If I don't, if I'm out of recovery and not working on myself, I'm it's I'm I'm dying a slow death. Yeah. Um, and you know, so with someone like you that doesn't have those issues, like I'm trying to figure out how to say this because I, I don't want to say that you don't have any problems, but you know, you you want to work on yourself. Yeah. Um, but you know, not being in this like, okay, hey, if. I have to be in recovery in order to work on myself, but for you to be just like, Hey, I want, you know what? I want to figure this, some of this stuff out. Like that yeah. is like, that's really cool. And like really admirable. Well, it's like, I mean, we thank you 
first of all, thank you. I mean, we all have our stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and there are different markers <laughs> of what they look like, yep. you know. Um, but, you know, it's, I mean, for me, it's, <clears throat> I mean, I have dealt with like pornography and stuff before, um, even when I was a pastor, which was, oh, it was awful. Mm. Um, so just destructive to my spirit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not like I was spending 12 hours a day doing sure. it, but it was, it was a compulsion mm -hmm. that I had. Because, I, I mean, I was exposed to it at a very young age. Um, and, yeah, I mean... It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm just like a highly sexual person. And it's been interesting because, I mean, I've only had one partner. Like, I, I didn't have sex before I got married. Um, and, you know, I was married and haven't had sex since then. Um, so it's been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being like learning like, oh, I'm like a very sexual person, but I'm just in this, I'm in this time period of, I just have a lot to figure out about myself, yeah. you know? And there's, there's been a high concentration of difficult events that have happened kind of all at once. And I'm like, man, you know, even going back to some of the workshop stuff, it's like, I don't have capacity. I don't have capacity to bring in another person, bring in another person into my life in yeah. a romantic way. And so I've just built, um, I've just built intimacy in just having safe friendships. Yeah. Um, just because the end of my marriage was, it was just very unsafe. Mm. There's just a, a lot of deception and lying and all that um, that was really difficult. And that's difficult when you have a child together. Sure. Um, to protect, you know, my son, to, um, yeah, just conduct myself with integrity. Yeah be a good example for him but um but you know it's like i have my own issues but like i've dealt with depression a lot of anxiety i'm currently right in the middle of um getting assessed for adhd hmm. um and have just been learning a lot about that over the past year year and a half um, which has been a trip, man. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Um, because I'm I'm seeing all these patterns now. It's like, holy crap, that's an ADHD thing. Because I'm very sensitive to sound. I remember being like laying in our bed when I was married, and I just wouldn't be able to go to sleep because I would hear these little noises. 
And my wife at the time, she's like, what are you even talking about? I'm like, you don't hear that? That like, it's coming from outside. And she's like, I would have never noticed that. She's like, I do not know how you notice that. So just like extreme sensitivity to sound, um, you know, eating. It's like I would just go all day without eating because mm. I would just get hyper-focused on stuff. Um, and extreme sensitivity to rejection. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's... Um, Rejection sensitivity dysphoria is what it's called. And, you know, that caused problems in our relationship. Um, Because it's like if she turned me down for sex, it's like I would just shut down. Mm. Just completely shut down. Um, And then after a while, I was like, well... Fuck it. Like, I'm not going to try anymore, <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you get rejected so many times, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever it is. Because I, I can really relate to that that rejection piece. Like, dude, it, I, I just, I can relate to that so yeah. much. And so, the pain that you know, comes with that. Yeah. And so I'm just, like, I have my own stuff. And I've come a long way with depression and even just intrusive thoughts and mm. my own self-talk i used to man i i i've written a song about it actually it's i wrote this song called my shittiest friend and it's about the way i would talk to myself mm. um and i was like holy crap and you know just thinking about you know like i wouldn't I would never let someone talk to one of my friends like that. Definitely wouldn't let someone talk to my son the way that I used to talk to myself. And then when I started to view it through that lens and just learning more about positive psychology and and all that stuff in my coach training, I was like, holy crap. <laughs> it's like when when that would start up on just, you know, even just externalizing that voice. It's just, yeah, it's just called externalization. You know, it's like I would have these moods that I would get in where I would start negative self-talk. And I was like, ah, oh, that's just like disappointment, Dan. Because one of the things that I would do is I would – talk myself out of doing things that I really cared about and I really wanted to do, but I would talk myself out of it because I was afraid of the disappointment that might come. Mm. And then I would not allow myself to actually try. Um, I'm like, oh, that's just disappointment, Dan, coming around. Man. Trying to protect me. Yeah. Like, and and that's like the craziest part about it all is like, that is there to try to protect us. Yeah. And what it does is just hurts us and keeps us down. And I literally like, I think I shared about this last night in a meeting. Like (laughs) I am my own worst critic, right? Like, Mm. like you said, like 
I wouldn't let anybody talk to I wouldn't even let anybody talk to me the way that I talk to me. Yeah. Like in Yeah. Like you can't say anything that's going to hurt me more than than I've already hurt myself. Now sure, yeah. if you say these things, if you say the things that I tell me to myself, yeah, it'll hurt and I'll have some feelings around it and I'll probably cry, but it's not nearly as damaging as what I do to myself. Yeah. And so trying to change that pattern around that and just try to, I don't know, surrender that or, you know, just try to find like the grace and compassion for myself in that. And I think that's kind of where the reminder of like, I'm not a robot, like I'm a human being. Yes. Totally. I'm doing like the best that I can. We're all just doing the best that we can with what we have. Totally. And I think it helps sometimes to just like, even just with the externalization piece, when you notice those parts of yourself coming up, like sometimes like in the coaching world, like where I was trained, they call them gremlins instead of calling it externalization. Like bringing some levity to it, like giving a part of yourself that talks like, talks shit to you like a silly name. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, even just like something really, you know, cliche of like, no, nah, that's a negative Nancy, you know, <laughs> coming around. It's like it makes it not so serious because, you know, a part of a part of my thing is like I can be so damn serious yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And then it's like you can start to think like that's you. Yeah. And it's not no. like there is a very silly, funny part of of who we are. Of You know, I can only speak for myself of like who I am. I remember my friend Arthur telling me one time, he's like, man, like when I see your stuff on social media, most of it's serious. And I'm like, who is that guy? <laughs> like you're so funny and just ridiculous you just say ridiculous shit sometimes or just do something <laughs> random I'm like who is that guy who is that serious guy yeah bringing bringing some levity and some fun can actually be a part of our healing yeah absolutely i know that like for me i've tried to because like there will be times, you know, I'm I'll be at work or something, and I'll I'll make a mistake. And in the past, I'd be like, oh, "You're an idiot," like yeah. you know, just and even like, I don't think people realize that like that kind of talk. So what oh. I I know what I've tried to do is be like, change that to silly. Oh, I'm just silly. Yeah. Oh, I'm just silly. Or like I remember I was this was recently I was out on the golf course and you know I had a bad shot, and yeah. I'm I'm very competitive. Like, for me, growing up, sports was, like, the one aspect of my life that, like, my parents were very supportive of. They took my side. Like, it wasn't – they never – they didn't criticize me. Like, I always made the teams. Like, so, like, that was a really big identity for me was sports and being competitive. And so I'm super competitive. Um, And – I, I, like, hit a bad shot. And instead of, like, slamming my club and – you know, getting mad at myself, I was like, well, this is the right idea. <laughs> right idea. <laughs> I love that. 
Like, yeah, the right idea, man. Okay, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. And like, yeah. even just those little changes, like now I can go out on the golf course or play racquetball and like I can enjoy myself. Yeah. I can enjoy myself because I'm like learning how to have some grace and compassion for myself and not talk so down. Dude, 100%. Because that kind of self-talk is pervasive. And I don't, until you actually become aware Mm. that you're doing it, well, when you do become aware of your your self-talk, then you notice how frequently it comes up. Yes. And then you're like, holy crap, I've been talking to myself like this constantly. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is you're programming your consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so when you can you can become aware of that and and instead have a reframe, have a shift of like, oh, that was the right idea. Yeah. Then you're actually re- you're reprogramming your consciousness and the way that you think and and the way you treat yourself. Yeah, you're you reprogram essentially your way of being. Hmm. I will say with like the awareness that I have of myself, how I treat myself, my behaviors, like like there's no mystery to me as far as like why I do what I do. Yeah. Right. Like before getting into recovery, you know, it was all a mystery. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm just doing these things because I'm a guy. I'm yeah. a guy, and I like beautiful women. Right. And, you know, I'm a guy, you know. And, and I think society kind of normalizes that for us, too. Like, right. normalizes that. But, like, now that there's this awareness, sometimes I, I tell my sponsor sometimes, I'm like, I don't like the awareness sometimes <laughs> because, like, I can't, I, I, can't, I can't play stupid anymore. Right. Right. Like I can't be like, well, I don't know why I did that. No, I, I know exactly why I did that. I yeah. know exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm super aware of it, which and sometimes can even frustrate me even more. Because yeah. like I'll be like really down on myself and I'll get it and I'll see it on the why because I don't feel good enough. I don't feel enough. You know, that's kind of what it funnels down for me is I'm not enough. Um, who I am is not enough. And yeah. sorry, I've lost my train of thought there. Awareness, you're talking about the awareness. So, like, you know, like <laughs> it's great. You know, again, it's it's great. I know myself more than I ever have before ever in my life. Um, you know, it's brought on a lot of like really beautiful things in my life um, that I'm really grateful for. But like, sometimes I'm like, damn it, I wish I could just go back to playing stupid. But then again, mm-hmm. you know, going back to playing stupid is what got me here in the first place. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And and brings on you know all of that. I mean, they're they're different from one another, but yeah. pain and mm-hmm. suffering. Yes, Just absolutely. Up, you know, absolutely. The deluge, <laughs> <laughs> the deluge of pain and suffering, and it's like that ain't a good place to be. No, man, that is that is not. And you know, hell, yeah. And you know, it's it's. It's a part of life, right? Like pain and suffering is a part of life. Um, I just never knew how to deal with it, right? I was never taught how to deal with it. And so now with the awareness, like, okay, cool. Like I have an idea of like how to – 
And that goes that that tie, go that that ties into like my healthy habits that I have these days. Like, yes. What can I do for myself? Um, so like for you in your, you know, your your 360 coaching, you know, what is a way that you know, you kind of teach, okay, this is how we're going to build healthy habits and yeah. kind of reprogram the way we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it is conversational. So the way that I was trained as a coach is in appreciative inquiry. And that's just knowing how to ask good questions. And so, you know, one of the first things that we do in a coaching session is, you know, just ask the question of what would you like to get out of this session? And if some, sometimes people aren't aware, you know, and they're like, I don't even know. And so if we're talking about, you know, habits, a lot of times, you know, the easiest example would be like a morning routine. It's like, well, okay, so you want to do this morning routine. What, what prompted you, what prompted the desire to even want to have a more morning routine? Hmm. You know, and, and it depends on the person. So, sure. you know, maybe they're like, well, you know, I've heard about it and thought maybe it's something I should do. Or, um, you know, another person might be like, well, I feel like as I go throughout my day, I just feel scattered. And so... There's so much flexibility with it. It's like, okay, so what you're trying to avoid is feeling scattered throughout your day. And that's why you want a morning routine. So a lot of times, something that is really helpful, especially when you're starting something new, is asking the question of like, okay, what is the smallest step you can take? to get you to feeling more focused throughout your day. And so for someone, that might just be, I have one goal today. And when I, I sit down in the morning, you know, you know, maybe they'll pray, maybe they'll meditate, and they'll write one thing. This is my main thing today. But it just depends on the person. And, and, and what's alive in them and that and that is uncovered through conversation so you know like for me my morning routine is going to look very different from someone sure. else's cuz it's like i get up and and one of the thing my morning routine is i get up i do morning pages which is a practice where you write three pages longhand like pen and paper of just whatever comes to your mind three pages every morning. I do that. Then I meditate for like 20 minutes. And then I have um, basically I've built this <laughs> curriculum, if you will, just a practice of I have a message for myself that I want to tell myself throughout the day. And I have alarms in my phone that are like three times a day. Like today, um, just for some things that I'm working through, uh, my message to myself was lean on people you know you can trust. Because mm. it's just a reminder for me that it's safe to do that. Yeah. 
Um, and then I have three, my like big three goals. And those are, uh, those have the lens of like, what is actually going to move my life forward? What are three things that are going to move my life forward? And then I have like tasks that I have to do. And then at the end of the day, I write down three things that I was grateful for. Hmm. Like at the end of the day. And that's like a practice that I can do that's repeatable for me. Um, And like that morning pages piece is really helpful for me just because I, dude, I have so many thoughts. (laughs) It's like my mouth cannot keep up. And that's... (laughs) It's actually why I pause when I talk a lot because I want to be articulate mm. and I want to make sure that I'm understood and what I'm talking about. And it's like I'm having all of these thoughts that are firing off like a million times per second. And so doing morning pages is a great way for me to just brain dump about everything that I'm thinking about, things that I'm that I might be anxious about things that I want to do, crazy ideas that I have. And it's just like, that is a free form time, you know, for that 30 minutes and those three pages that I'm allowed to do whatever the fuck I want, say whatever, whatever I want and not be judged. I can be as fucking angry as I want and I can say whatever I want because it's a safe place to do that. And where I can have these crazy imaginative ideas or like goals that just come up. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that was there. And it's because I give myself the freedom to write. And there's something magical and there's like scientific studies behind it that happens when you write long form instead of like typing on a computer. Yeah. Uh, So that's become a really important practice for me. Yeah, I I can really relate to that, and and I can definitely relate to like that, just writing it down. I I there's like there's like this catharsisism. Is that is that even the the word? No, cathartic. Yeah, to to just like getting it out because like you said, like my brain too, it is firing at a million miles a minute, and the more that I keep it in there, I found that either writing or talking, like right, calling somebody and being like, hey, just listen to me for us, just. Listen yeah. to me. I'm about to just dump on you for ten minutes, yeah. Um, because you know when, when I let when I let things rattle around in my head, it's like a snowball effect. Like it starts small, but if the longer they stay in there, they start bouncing around off these walls, and they just gain traction and more snow. And the next thing you know, I'm sitting here going, "Oh my god, I'm so worked up." Yeah. Well, it's because I need to let these things out. Yes. Whatever it is that's out there. So I, I can really relate to that, and that makes total sense. And typically what happens for a lot of people when you were you described it as a snowball effect, and, you know, you got all these thoughts and just the motion that you did. Your body showed me what a lot of people experience when they get into just getting so in their head. They end up paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Having so many thoughts that they end up doing nothing mm. um, because they just overthink themselves into a freeze response. That makes sense. 
Yeah. That makes and, sense. And the somatic world of what they call like a, that's called like the dorsal vagal response. Yep. And yeah. it's also like exhausting too to hold that stuff in. Oh. <laughs> like apps, like I, I, I'll have days where I'm like, oh my God, I am so tired, but I didn't like do anything today. What yeah. is, and you know, realizing just all the mental stuff that I'm carrying around with me at any point in time. Yeah. Those thoughts, those snowballs that are just growing and growing and growing that by the time I get off work, I'm like, and if I haven't taken the time to either write them out or call somebody and tell somebody what's going on in my head, like I'm drained because I've just been playing this, just been tr- trying to hold the lid, immensely trying to hold the lid on my brain to keep it from just exploding. Yeah. And and I think that's why <clears throat> somatic practices can be so helpful. Yeah. Um, that's that's a practice that I discovered in the men's group that I was in. We met with a, a somatic practitioner, and she actually reached out to me like after I was assaulted, and was like, "Hey, I'll do like four free sessions with me." And I just love her so much. She is an angel. Um, and yeah, she just put out a book recently that's fantastic. Um, but you know, just. A lot of times it's we we have the charge, then we have the tension, and then we have <clears throat> a little bit of a discharge, and then that wave we don't actually fully discharge and get into to rest and relaxation. And what we end up doing is just escalating that wave, it goes up again mm. and down and then up again because we never fully let go. Like that charge you were talking about, just like, I feel like my brain's just going to explode. There are safe ways to somatically release that tension to where you can get back into your, your parasympathetic response of rest and relaxation. I'm like, the thoughts slow down. You feel centered, you feel at peace, you can feel your body like relaxed instead of humming, mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's electricity <laughs> shooting through it, um, you know? And, and what that does too, just like on a relational level, it allows you to connect. Yeah. Once you actually fully discharge and get into rest and relaxation, that's where your nervous system can actually connect to self, connect to higher power, and connect to people you love and that you care about. Yeah. Mm. I, I do remember, you know, one of the things that was touched on in the workshop, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about was boundaries, yeah, and how you know, and it, it what really blew my mind was like the way that it was described as like boundaries is creating intimacy with myself. Oh yes, like that blew my mind because yeah. I would have ne- no one had ever really put it to me like that before. Um, you know, I know that. 
boundaries are something that I really struggle with. I really, really struggle with them. And actually, I've, you know, I've, I've been getting a lot better with it, but I've also realized too that that is so very true because recently I've kind of had to like put some boundaries in place that was a really uncomfortable spot for me to be in in the moment. But after the moment had passed, I found this like relief, this freedom that was like staying true to myself that like just felt so good. Um, So definitely want to kind of, you know, again, that just, that was so, so mind blowing for that. The boundaries create intimacy with myself. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so often people think of boundaries as for somebody else, Mm -hmm. but boundaries are for yourself. And that's why, you know, when setting boundaries, it's, it's helpful to use I language instead of you language. Um, and ultimately what you do when you set boundaries, the way it builds intimacy with yourself is you're saying, I matter. Mm. My, my needs actually matter and, and are important. And, and that's, you know, like moving on the intimacy, intimacy spectrum is what that part of the curriculum was. It's, it really is building intimacy with yourself, saying like, ah, my needs and wants and, and relational safety is extremely important. Yeah, standing up for myself. Standing up for ourselves, that's kind of what that reminds me of too, like, you know, like knowing that that creates that confidence in myself that like, hey, I've got my back. Yes. I've got my back. I know what's best for me and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to, I'm going to assert that. Yes. You know, and that, you know, also too, I, I, you know boundaries you don't have to be an asshole <laughs> when, yes it's so when good. when setting boundaries yes you know and like it's so funny because you know whenever someone sets a boundary with me and and I don't do this so much anymore but it was like I almost felt like it was a personal attack on me mm. and I took it so personal and and I think that you know so I think that some people do this. I know that I'm not alone in, in in that, but like, just like just how personally I took everything, and then learning more about boundaries and realizing that like oh no like that person's not an asshole because when I know that when I set a boundary I'm not being an asshole, so therefore like okay you're not an asshole if you have strong boundaries. Yes. And it can certainly feel like that when you start setting boundaries yeah. because it's like you're going from zero to 60, you know, yeah, yeah. when you go from having absolutely no boundaries <laughs> to even setting a boundary, you feel like a lot of times it can feel like you're being an asshole because it's new and you've never, you've never stood up for yourself in that way before. You've never had that intimacy with yourself before. And so it feels like you're being a jerk um, because that hasn't felt safe in your nervous system. 
especially for from when people are coming from being um, like a people pleaser, mm-hmm. which has been my history. Um, you know, and being a a former pastor is like, you got to make everybody happy. Mm. Um, yeah, you can feel like an asshole, but it, the more you use that I language and you realize this is about, this is about me. This boundary is about what, what I need. What I need is important. Um, it's not about, it's not about keeping other people out necessarily. It's about like we were talking about developing that intimacy with yourself, you know, and just to use it as an example, you know, during my divorce and stuff, you know, there was a time where I set a boundary of, of saying like, Hey, when I have conversations with you, I would like to keep it about our son and what his needs are. Uh, And that's it. Because I needed that. Yeah. In that time of grief, um, I needed that to, to allow myself to have space to grieve. Because I didn't, that was like my biggest fear was to have a kid and then end up getting a divorce. Mm. Um, Cause that was my story when I was a kid mm. and I knew how much damage it caused for me. And even, um, you know, things that I, I still have to grapple with. And, and deal with in my own story to this day. And so, yeah, all that just to say that that felt like me being an asshole. And, you know, there was a time when I set those, some boundaries where it's like she didn't like that either mm. because she wasn't used to it. And, you know, it made her angry, but, you know, it wasn't that I, I was being an asshole. It's not that I was being an asshole. It's just, you know, the, the statement of like, we, we teach people how to treat us, Yeah, you know, and that's a new thing. So when you start, you know, for whoever might listen to this, like when you start, when you you go from setting no boundaries, having no boundaries, to start having even a boundary. People are going to need to get used to it. And that can be uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Definitely, especially from, like, I also kind of relate to being a people pleaser. Like, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I, yeah. you know, I don't want to, you know, in my head, if I set a boundary with somebody it's me basically saying, I don't want you in my life. Get away from me. When yeah. it's not that extreme. 
Right. But in my head, and in my way of thinking, it doesn't have to be. Now, sometimes, sure, maybe that maybe that is a boundary, like of, yeah. hey, you're not good for me. Leave me alone. Stay away right. from me. Um, but also, too, I'm I'm I can get caught in that very black and white, extreme black and white thinking of oh, a boundary means I am slamming the door in your face and I am locking it and I'm swallowing the key. And wow, I don't want to do that because that's really going to hurt you. Yeah. So okay, so maybe I just won't do that then. You know, I mean, I'll, I'm I'm going to leave the door open even though like this this doesn't feel right to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and something that's helpful is you know, different people have a different amount of intimacy with us and us with them. Mm. And we talked about about it in the workshop. So often people will try to move from having this extremely, you know, let me, I'm going to go this way. Like you don't know someone and then they want to shoot all the way over to being super close and super intimate. When really the magic is using those invitations and boundaries and moving slowly mm-hmm. because that's how you build trust. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm really quick to, and I, and I've definitely, I've definitely seen this is in a pattern in my life of, I am super quick to bring you in super fast. Yeah. And then I am almost, I am then let down because this person didn't live up to the trust that I thought that I could have in them. Mm. Yes. And so like, that's a really big struggle for me is like how much, you know, going from now, going from someone who never talked about what was going on with me at all growing up, we didn't talk about things. We don't talk about things um, to now being in recovery of being like, okay, I have to talk about everything. Um, mm-hmm. Again, back to this black and white extreme <laughs> going from never talking to you give me five minutes. Here you go. Blah, here's everything, <laughs> you know, um, to now realizing that like, okay, I need to kind of, there's that gray area, right? There's, there's, that's where life happens. So how do I, you know, how do I gauge somebody as far as like what I can trust them with? Like, that's a really big struggle for me. Man, one thing that like came to me that was like a truth bomb for me when I was talking, I was talking to a buddy of mine and like this came out of my mouth and I was like, holy crap. I just learned that because I'm a very much a verbal processor, but I said, authenticity is not showing all parts of yourself to all people. Mm. Empowered authenticity is knowing with whom it's safe to share all the parts of you. Mm. And what happened, the way that you get there is with time and with bids for connection. Like, I think that's what 
um, Dr. Gottman calls them as bids for connection. Can I trust you with this invitation, with this bid for connection? Can I trust you with this part of myself? And that only happens with time. And also, as we navigate relationships over time, there are contexts in which it will bring up a different part of that other person that maybe you haven't seen yet. You know, a person that you're in relationship with is going to show them a part of them two years down the line that they wouldn't, that just, it just wouldn't, they wouldn't have showed that to you when you had been dating at week two. Right. Because there, one, of, of course, you want to put your best foot forward and just life experiences bring up different parts of us. Yep. You know, even for people that are married, the parts that they witness in each other when they're just married, just them, versus the parts that show up after they have a kid are going to be different. Mm. Yeah. That's... I really liked that, um, what you said. I, I can't recall it back. What, what was it? Yeah, the, yeah. the um, you know, real authenticity, empowered authenticity is knowing. Knowing with whom and when it's safe to show all parts of yourself. Mm. That comes with time. Mm. Man, that's. That's that, that's like that's something to work on for sure. Like, cause damn it, Eric, I want this to go as quickly as possible. <laughs> I, you, you I know, get like, it. Like you know, like well, I don't got that time. Like I, I, yeah. I want to know if you're in this or not. So like, yeah. let's you know. But I and I know that that's not you know how it works. But yeah, that's because what that's I, I will use you know my vulnerability to escalate. And advance mm. intimacy. Yeah. And so, it, but you're absolutely right. Like time. Yeah. Time brings that out. Yeah. And and I think <clears throat> I totally, I resonate with that. And, and it's, you know, something that I'm even uh, just learning as a person. I mean, even just as a coach, I just want to be like, I want to be vulnerable because, you know, people... People can pretend like they're up on this pedestal. And the truth is a lot of things that people share, whether it's in person or social media or whatever, it's probably stuff they're learning about themselves. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like just divulging information is not even necessarily vulnerability. Mm. It can give a false sense of authenticity and a false sense of vulnerability. Um, but like vulnerability is like getting down into those nooks and crannies of the parts of yourself that you actually don't want to tell anyone about. Mm. 
Like that's vulnerability. Mm. Yeah. Where there's resistance mm. to actually speak it out loud. Yeah. And that's... oftentimes like what you're actually in in the moment. It's really easy for people to be vulnerable about something they've overcome, quote unquote, or like, oh yeah, this is something that I dealt with, um, you know, a year ago or whatever. But like when you're actually in it and you don't want to share it, like that's vulnerability. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Man, I'm just like I'm just like just taking it all in, man. Like it's all just I don't know, man. I just I, I just I just I love having these kinds of conversations. Yeah, totally. Like, these kinds of conversations, like these are the conversations that I want to be having, right? And this goes back to <laughs> this goes back to like putting people into wanting to bring those people into that trustworthy fold. Yeah. Right. Cause like these are the kind of conversations that like I crave and thinking that like, oh, I just met you. You're pretty cool. Let's, I'm done. The surface level stuff bores me. Let's, you know, let's dive into the, to the real stuff. Um, And, you know, but, and then going back to capacity, not everybody has the capacity for that. I I might not even have the capacity for that. Right. Like in the moment. And that was another thing that like really blew my mind was like talking about the capacity and our capacity for different things and that it's okay if our capacity is not where we actually think it is and that I need to be honest with myself as far as like, okay, what is my capacity for this relationship? Whatever that relationship is, what is my capacity? And I think I shared this with you too, like um, in the workshop of like, it helps me give other people some compassion because their capacity is going to be – might be different than mine. And, yes. you know, one of the things you shared in that was that, like, a relationship can only go as far as the lowest capacity. Yes. Yeah, the the relational com- capacity can is – can only go to the level of whoever's capacity – person A or B or whatever the situation is. Let's keep it simple, all right? The relational capacity, if person A is at a 4 out of 10 and person B is at a 7 out of 10, the relational capacity can only be a 4. Yeah. That that has, like, really helped me not take things personally. Because, again, I take... Everything personally. Yeah. Like, it is an attack on me. Um, oh, you don't like me. So there. that's why we're not going to hang out. You know, I, I, I send you an invitation, but mm. you got something else going on. Well, if you really cared about me, you'd make time for me. Right. Um, and, but no, maybe your, your capacity is a little different, and that's okay. Yes. That's okay. You're in a different spot. We're in different places. That is okay. Yeah. Uh, that was, yeah. And, and like, and seeing how that plays out in my life now with my relationships, like, I am much more graceful 
around an invitation that is sent out that I really want to do, but the other person can't for whatever reason. And that I'm much more able to be like, okay, yeah, no problem. Like, yes, you know, we'll, we'll make it happen. Let me know when you're free. Right. And and leaving it at that too. Like that was another thing, you know, that, that was, was talked about like the invitations, like, um, you know, asking more than one or two times, that's control. And I'll yeah, tell you man, what, man. Memory. That, oh, that has stuck with me. Like, because that's what I, I, you know, being an addict, for me, it's it's all about control. Like, I want to control, I want to control, I want to control. And, I mean, thinking back to days where, like, if I called a friend and they didn't answer, I would just blow them up. I would yeah. continue calling, continue calling, continue calling. You're going to answer one of these times Um, when it's like, no, man, just call once, leave a voicemail. When they get when they see it, they'll get when they can get back to me, they can get back to me. Um, And so that is something that I've definitely carried with me the last couple months is like one invitation. Yeah. One invitation. And any more than that. Now, again, I think it was said in there, too, that like, you know, hey, we live in a time where a lot of things are happening. Sometimes people yeah. forget. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've I really tried to, like, stick with, like, okay, let me throw out one invitation yeah. and see what they say. And we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really powerful. Because that really can, is. can be, like, a control piece or that, like, especially people with anxious attachment styles, like, that's, That's me. you know, yeah. And I, I'm for the most part secure, but, um, but when I get in, in romantic relationships, if it's unhealthy, if I'm in an unhealthy space, then I get more into that anxious attachment style, but it's like, do you like me? Do you accept me? Do you, you know, like in putting those invitations out and, and yeah, I've just realized like, oh. Like when you can sit with yourself and be like, damn, like I'm a cool mother effer. Like <laughs> I'm creative. I'm smart. You know, I'm aware, emotionally aware of what's going on with me. Like I can sit with, you know, even if there is like that uncomfortability, it's like I can sit with this discomfort. put a hand on my heart, just breathe for a moment and be like, ah, this kind of hurts right now because I really wanted this thing to happen. Mm. It's not happening. And this doesn't necessarily mean it's a, I had to go into a story about who I am and that I'm not good enough. It's just, this is. Hmm. This is an invitation that I put out and it's not being accepted or responded to. And I I can be okay with sitting with the discomfort and this is going to pass. Yeah. And yes. not taking it personally. That uh there's a book called Four Agreements, and that's one of the things one of the four agreements is like not taking everything personally. Yeah. And and to tie it into like spirituality, like 
there's times where I put out those invitations where maybe there's something that I really want to do, but maybe it's not the best thing for me to be doing that my mm-hmm. higher power is doing for me what I cannot do for myself. Uh. And that, okay, that it wasn't part of your plan for me to follow through with hanging out with this person because that's yeah. probably not the healthiest thing for me to do. I yeah. need to recognize that and say, okay, that wasn't supposed to be. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. There's so <laughs> there's just you know, so many factors, so many things, so many things to juggle. Oh yeah. Just all at once. <laughs> totally. And but and honestly, that's kind of the exciting thing about uh being a coach. Yeah. Um because as you as you converse, even just I'm very much like a casual over clinical person. Um, but the thing is, like when you start to dig and you have these conversations and you can talk <clears throat> about what is actually coming up and uh, just all of these different aspects of who you are, aspects of what you want to work on, these parts of yourself just start to show up when you have real conversations. And then it's like, well, what do we want to work on? Mm. You know, like let's take everything out. Let's put it on the table. Even if we're scared, we can look at what's on the table and we can take it in little pieces, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe there's a part of yourself you know, that we pull out and it just like is freaking hilarious and awesome and just jubilant. And it's like, let's celebrate that. How do we expand that? Yeah. We expand that part. And they're just so multifaceted as people. Um, And that's such a, a beautiful aspect of being. Um, you know, even just from recovery stuff, and I I don't know, this, this might be a hot take, but, you know, just, I feel like a lot of times we will try to over identify ourselves of like, you know, and people different have different takes on this, but it's like, I'm an addict or I am, um, even just things with like jobs, like I am a computer programmer. I am dot, dot, dot. It's like, that's a part of who you are. Mm. That's, you know, addiction is something you contend with. It's, you know, it's something that, you grapple with that you face that you it's like a part of you that you have a conversation with on the daily um but our our ego wants to just like attach onto one thing um and it's like well you know yeah i Part of my story is addiction. Mm-hmm. I'm a, sure I'm an addict. I'm also a, 
you know, a loving father. Mm. I'm also a creative. I am a good friend. Mm. I am a reader. I'm a learner. Like yeah. I'm all of these things. That's definitely something that I really struggled with um, earlier on was like, and, and this was geared, geared more towards like romantic relationships. Yeah. It was like, you know, for me, you know, I'm, I'm not actively seeking a relationship. I know that my capacity is not really there, but I know yeah. that eventually my capacity will grow for totally. that. Right. And so for me, you know, one of the things that's really important to me is like, if you're in my life, I want you to know who I am. Yes. And for me being a sex addict, it's like, how do you tell somebody, you know, that, and I, and I put in, and I put in, I absolutely did this was I over identified with that to mm. a point of like, Oh God, like, um, I'm gonna, you know, as soon as I say sex addict, dude, like that's all that I am. That's all that I'm gonna. That's all that this person's gonna see me as. Mm. But like, how I have to tell them. I can't yeah. not tell them. But if I tell them, that's all they're gonna view me as. When really, it's like exactly what you said. Like, yes, I am a sex addict, and that is that is a part of my life. That is not who I am. But it it is a part of me. There's so yeah. many parts of me. And, you know, just being okay, being empowered enough to say that does not define me. Yeah. All these other things do. Um, so yeah, you I mean, you hit it right on the head with all that. Like I'm so much more than just an addict in recovery. Yeah. And I and I and I do want to say like that that is really hard to have that fear. Because, like you said, you're like, I have to tell them, like, I'm a sex addict. Um, that's really hard. And it's like, do you want to be connected to somebody? Would you want to be connected to somebody that would view you in such a reductionist way? No, no, no. Not at all. And so... You know, it sucks. It's painful. It's hard. It's something to grapple with. And the beauty of the word and, and it's kind of a great filter. That's very true. That is, <laughs> that is very true. Like, totally. Because again, like, if you're going to go ahead and view me and stigmatize me and just throw me in that category and that's all you see me as – well, then this wasn't supposed to work out. You know, best of luck to you. Peace sign. Best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. Next. <laughs> and, and it, you know, it's funny because, like, you know, while I'm not actively looking for a relationship, you know, over the last two and a half years, I've gone on dates. And yeah. I've, you know, and I've, I've. And I've actually opened up to those dates, not on the first date. Um, well, well, a couple of them, yeah. Uh, again, <laughs> learning that balance of yeah. like when do I share and, but like you know even but like the responses that I got were like, 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know, maybe sometimes they'd have questions and I'd answer right. those to the best of my ability, but then it would be like, well, you know, what do you like to do for fun? Like, you know, like, yeah, like just moving right along. Like, yeah. and you know, and that's, and even with the people that like I'm super close with that are like, you know, I've, I've known for a very long time close friends. It's like, Oh man, how, you know, how do I tell them these things? How do I tell them the things that I was doing? Like, and, and being so afraid that they'd leave. And then when I did tell them, you know, some of the, those, you know, getting into those nooks and crannies yeah. um, of actually opening it up to people that are very close to me, you know, and then being like, okay, well, hey, like you still, you still down to grab dinner on Friday night? Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I am. Like, you know, and that, and that, that, has like brought us closer together. Absolutely. That's how you gain more intimacy. Mm -hmm. That was a bid for connection of saying like an invitation of, can I trust you with this part of myself for you to be compassionate for this to be a way for us to move closer and how beautiful, like, Okay, you still want to get dinner? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that that was possible. And now that goes back to like my view of myself too. Yeah, you know, like how we view ourselves. Because if I view myself as a piece of shit, then I think everybody else is going to view me as a piece of shit. Going oh. back to that negative thinking again, right? Like, yeah. Oh wow, people don't view me like that. Like I, it was. I had my, my ex told me this, like, so I got discovered, I got discovered in 2021 and, you know, she went through my phone and found a lot of very, very shameful things. And, um, when I went back five days later to like pick up my, my dog and my stuff, you know, she said, it's going to get me emotional. She said, I wish that you could see yourself the way that I see you. Mm. And, you know, at the, <laughs> I'm laughing, it's not really that funny, but like <laughs> at the time I was like, well, then why are you leaving me? Why are you kicking me out? Why? Oh, if you think I'm so great, then why are you doing this to me? Like, but realizing that like she had to put up a boundary. Yeah. She had to put up a boundary. She had to keep herself safe. Totally. And her kids safe. She had two kids. Like yeah. she had to keep them safe. And, and so now I understand that, but yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Just that, you know, that, that self view of ourselves is so damaging. Yeah. So damaging. It's like, there are these funny little cliches that they get thrown around, but they're so true. It's like, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Mm. Um, you know, like if we're going around and, and and viewing ourselves as a piece of shit it's like we're gonna see ourselves as a piece of shit we're gonna see other people as pieces of shit like systems as shit like everything yeah it you know it colors your perspective perception of things yeah absolutely no it's wow 
Um, so we've been going for you know, a little over an hour and a half. I, I want to be very mindful of your time, man. I, I, I had a great, t- I had a great time in this conversation, man. Like, dude, me too. Again, I, I think that we could go Class. for another two hours. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yes. But yeah, man. If you if if you want to talk about spiritual, just spirituality or uh, create, I dude, I'm down to talk to Big Panda anytime. This I, is a Eric. I, I I love hearing that, man. I definitely want to have you back on. Like, I th- thank you for taking the time thank you for setting aside the time um on your sunday evening after work like thank you so much man like i absolutely i I really appreciate it i'm very grateful for the willingness you know for the people that are willing to come on and to just have these real conversations with me like i just i really appreciate it so thank you so much i can't say thank you enough man i just it means a lot to me means a Mm. lot you're welcome and thank you for having me. Yeah, this man. was a pleasure. It really was. Big shout out to Eric uh, for coming on the podcast, man. And, and just what a what a fun conversation, you know. A lot of these conversations, you know, I I don't you know I don't necessarily know how they're going to go, and and you know that's okay. I, I try to take pride in just kind of going with the flow with things and letting things just kind of like organically go. You know, my biggest you know, goal and vision for the podcast is like, this. these are conversations, right? Like these aren't these scripted out interviews. Like these are just conversations. And I think that that was just a really good example of that. And, and so just thank you to Eric um, for coming for coming on again. Um, definitely go check out some of the work that he's doing. You know, if, if, if a, you know, a, a 360 kind of a life coach is, is kind of what you're looking for, definitely go hit him up. I'll put his socials in the, in the description, but yeah, just what a, what a, what a great conversation. I'm, I'm really happy uh, that he came on and that we had that conversation again. I'm just, I'm still so, so, so grateful and honored for the willingness that people have to come on. So um, if there's any, you know, if there's any other topics that uh, that you want to hear um, or any feedback, um, please feel free to reach out. I, lo- I love the connection. I love the interaction with the audience. It just, it, it means a lot to me when, when someone reaches out, even if it is just a, hey man, I got a lot out of this. You know, that, that, that just, that really means a lot to me. Um, you feel free. My, my email is no lions here at gmail.com. Again, that's no lions here at gmail.com. And, um, you know, while you're on the interweb messing with email, go ahead and check out no lions here.com. Um, again, that's kind of, you can find all the episodes on there. The link for the SAA, um, website is on there too, where you can find meetings, um, whether that be in person or zoom, um, you know, if you're in need of a meeting, you can definitely go check that out. Um, and also there's a forum on there that anybody can post on. Um, so, you know, if, if you got something that's, that's weighing on you that you want to get off your chest, go ahead and create an account, get on that forum and, and, and let's discuss. Um, and that's what, that's what recovery is all about, right? Is like discussing these different perspectives. And, um, I'm just really happy that I can bring other perspectives to the table. And I know that it's really good for me. Um, and that it's helping others out there as well. So um, thank you guys so much for joining me on my journey. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, Keep coming back. It works if you work it, and you are worth it. I'll talk to you guys next time.